0: This is Radio Orbit, exploring the secrets of everything on K.O.P. in Columbia.
1: Good to you, good day to you, wherever you may be as you are listening to this radio program. This is Radio Orbit. My name is Mike Hagan, and you're listening to it. Yeah, Monday nights, 11 p.m. until 2 a.m. every week. Okay, so tonight, uh, my guest, Joanna Harcourt-Smith, the former Joanna Leary, Timothy Leary's former wife, and uh, a wonderful woman, and someone who I have a lot of... Uh, common interest with, and we'll talk with Joanna in about 55 minutes or so. Uh, let's do a quick thank you, though, to John Major Jenkins. Wonderful program last week. Big thanks to John for uh, really opening it up and sharing uh, sharing some things with us that uh, I haven't heard him talk about, quite frankly, uh, before on the air. So anyway, John Major Jenkins last week. Thanks a whole lot, John. And in fact, I think John will be uh, will be back on the air within the next three or four weeks, actually we sort of got pretty deeply into the conversation that we were having and we really didn't get around to a couple of things that we wanted to talk about. In particular his uh his new book and uh which is called Pyramid of Fire and also the project that he is in the midst of uh well, I guess I should say Jay Widener, is in the midst of completing a project of which John Major Jenkins is a part. And I spoke with Jay, actually, tonight uh, w- with regard to something else, actually, and he's really excited about the um, about the progress of the, the new documentary that he's making and that uh, John Major Jenkins is a part of. I guess he spoke with Jose Arguez recently and had a really fascinating conversation with him. But anyway, this new video, 2012... Um, odyssey 2012 from jay widener is going to be something else when that comes out and so we'll we'll definitely have jay on the air again and talk a little bit about that as we get closer to the release of that video okay all right thanks to eskimo also for the music last week great stuff that we heard uh throughout the program last week with john eskimo writing some great stuff over there in new jersey and good luck to you and the music and of course uh the uh music page on the website. If you get on the web and go to www.mikehagan.com, click on the music page, and we're getting very close to having an archive section there where all of the past musicians and their available downloads will be be present there for people to go look at after the fact. Tonight, we have some new music by a wonderful band that I'll tell you about in just a minute, but... As I said, uh, Joanna Harcourt-Smith tonight. She is one of the founding partners of MetaHistory. Uh, the other partner, uh, of course, being John Lash. And he's an amazing person as well. And someone who I actually have been meaning to interview uh, for a long time now, close to a year, and in the midst of the relationship building between John and I and Joanna, uh, I actually have gotten to know him quite well, but we have never been on the air with John. So that's something that we have to do. But at any rate, we'll talk with Joanna a little bit further about that maybe tonight. But she is uh, a partner with John in Meta History. She's the former wife of Timothy Leary, as I mentioned earlier, and for those of you who are familiar with Joanna, you know that. And she recently returned to her home in Spain from a symposium that was built around the 100th birthday of Albert Hoffman. And this was in Basel, Switzerland. And, of course, Albert Hoffman was the, uh, or is the, still alive, uh, just turned 100 years old, but uh, the discoverer of the chemical compound for d lysergic acid diethylamide. Uh, Some people had a 25 at the end of that as well. But anyway, LSD. And believe it or not, that was in 1938 that Albert Hoffman uh, synthesized LSD. So some nearly 70 years ago, 68 years ago, he was just a young man. Now he's 100 years old and he has the hindsight uh, to look back at his so-called problem child. And in fact, that was uh, uh, something that was discussed at great length in Basel uh, just a couple weeks ago. And Joanna was there and she was in the middle of the fray. And we will talk... Uh, at length with her about her experiences in Basel, Switzerland, recently at the symposium for Albert Hoffman's 100th birthday. And let's see, I also mentioned that we have some new music tonight. So, yeah, the band is called Lotiji, L-O-T-I-J-I, and it is a synthesis of the the names of the three primary members of the band, and I believe that's Lori, Tim, and James, or Jim. So L O T I J I, Low to G, and if you are interested in the music, get on the web as I said before and click on the music tab at mikehagan.com. Just click on the music tab and it will take you to some information about Low to G. And they were also known as S Dub in the past, and in fact, one of the members of the band goes by the name S Dub. So anyway, uh, Low to G is the band that will be pro- uh, providing the music for the conversation tonight. And, uh, as I said, you can check them out on the web at mykagan.com and just uh, click on the music tab, all right? Okay, really quick, uh, quickly here, thanks for the nice emails. got some wonderful email responses from the show with John Major Jenkins last week. And uh, hello to everybody listening over the web. I appreciate it. Anybody that's uh, now subscribing to the podcast... Please let me know how that's working. I tried it myself this week, and it was really cool. I used my little iTunes um, player and my iTunes management system. And, man, you just subscribe to the podcast, and boom, whenever the most recent show hits the web, it will automatically be downloaded into your, uh, your RSS mailbox. It's really slick. So a big thank you to Larry Norager, my webmaster, for setting all that stuff up. There's no way I could ever figure this stuff out. Uh, and were it not for Larry, we would still be in the dark ages of web broadcasting. But we're not. We got Larry, and he's the best. And if you don't think he's the best, you haven't been to the website and he will also be, uh, Larry is also going to be working on the website for Joanna and I's new project. I didn't mention, I've mentioned it a couple times on the air, but I haven't said anything about it tonight. But uh, we'll talk about it tonight as well. But Joanna and I are also embarking on a uh, an independent project outside of uh, the scope of what either of us are doing right now. And it is called Future Primitive, and it will be a monthly internet radio program. It is still in the development stages, but it's going to be a cool thing. We have some great ideas, and I'm really looking forward to to working with Joanna on it. But I won't say any more about it right now. We'll talk to Joanna about it uh, in a little while here, and we can both sort of chime in together about what we think we're going to do with it, okay? All right, upcoming guests tonight, as I said, Joanna. And I actually have a special guest on the phone right now. We're going to talk to Kent Stedman in just a few minutes. Of course, Kent, my good friend and... Partner in crime, the inventor, and the brilliant mind behind cyberspaceorbit.com. And Again, get on the web and go to cyberspaceorbit.com, and you can get a leg up before I get on the air with Kent and find out a little bit about what we might be talking about. But uh, it's cyberspaceorbit.com, cyberspaceorbit.com. Uh, Kent Stedman on the air in just a few minutes here. But at any rate, we'll have uh, Joanna... A little bit later, after tent Next week, I think we're just going to keep it open next week. I've got a lot of things that I haven't talked about, things in the news that we haven't been able to get to. I wasn't even, uh, I wasn't even able to do space weather last week because we were sort of busy. We had Eskimo on the air and did an interview with him. I'm going to try to do more of that, uh, more of these short 15, 20-minute interviews with musical guests uh, that will be providing music for the show. So... Uh, Things changing, as always. But cool stuff tonight. And uh, next week, as I said, we'll take a break. We won't have an interview. We'll actually take the whole uh, the whole three hours and uh, get caught up on some things that I'd like to talk about and uh, get out of the way that I've been thinking about for a while. Okay. All right, the week after that, Neil Haig, a wonderful uh, visionary artist who lives in the United Kingdom. We'll be talking with Neil live from his home in... Outside of London, and Neil is a—he's a great writer actually, and you can go to neilhague.com and check him out. It's Neil N E I L H A G U E, Neilhague.com. But he's a great artist and he's also a a very talented writer, and uh, with some interesting ideas. And he is one of the founders of Bridge of Love Productions or Bridge of Love Publishing Company, I think it is, which is a company that publishes David Icke's material. And in fact, uh, Neil Haig is the artist that has uh, illustrated, uh, if not all of David Icke's books, many of them. And so he has an interesting perspective as well. So Neil Haig, the artist for, uh, for David Icke, and uh, a gifted artist and writer himself will be on the week. Er, will be on the week. I'm on the week. Uh, will be on the air in a couple weeks on the 27th of, uh, of February. Alright, after that, uh, like I said, one of those weeks in between, John Major Jenkins coming back. We've got T. Peter Park. We're going to do a, sh- uh, a show on, uh, H.P. Lovecraft. And, uh, of course, Dennis McKenna will be back on the air a couple times in the next couple months. Once with Stephen Buhner. Once with Richard Glenn Bohr. The, uh, proprietor uh, of Cognitive Liberty and Ethics, the website and the organization. So lots of great stuff coming up. I talked to Dr. Michael Heisen a couple days ago. We're going to have him back on the air. I've got some things to talk about with him. So anyway, lots going on. Contact information really quickly, Radio at aol.com. O-R-B-I-T-R-A-D-I-O, Radio at com. And the website, always, www.mikehagan.com. And uh, what else? If I go to break here, and we have a little time, you can call on the telephone here in the studio, and the number is 573 874 5676 895 5676 okay? All right, this is Mike, and we'll be back in just a moment with Kent Stedman from cyberspaceorbit.com. That's Clowns. And, uh, one more time. The music tonight being provided by, by Low to G, Lotiji. L-O-T-I-J-I, Lotiji. And if you're interested in the music, go on the web. Go to MikeHagan.com. Click on the music tab, and from there you can read a little bit about, uh, the band. And you can also go over to the, uh, their website, which is L-O-T-I-J-I, Lotiji, or Lotiji.com. And you can download a song or two if you'd like. All right? Great vocals from Lori. Wonderful stuff. From low to G, you'll hear more from them throughout the evening as we continue the show. All right, this is Mike, and you're listening to Radio Orbit. And uh, let's get to business here with my good friend Kent Stedman. If you're not familiar with him, you should get familiar. And the way to do that is to get on the web and go to www.cyberspaceorbit.com. You can also... Always get over to Kent's site uh, from my site. He's linked up on the front page always, and uh, he's on the air with us tonight. We haven't spoken for a while, so it's time to catch up with Kent. We've got about 15 or 20 minutes, so uh, let's say a quick hello. Hi, Kent. How you doing, bud?
2: Hello. Hello. How are you, man? <coughs> no, it's been a weird day, weird week.
1: It has been the strangest beginning of the whole year, as a matter of fact, and I'm, I haven't quite gotten into it, and I'm going to before I get Joanna on the line, but it has been a strange time. What's going on on your end of the world?
2: Well, I don't know. I've suddenly got an awful lot of server problems and uh, uh, publicity problems lately on my site. So
1: people
2: here and there don't seem too happy
1: with it, it seems to me. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I'm having server problems today, too, as a matter of fact. Oh, who knows? You never know. I mean the whole I thing. Is know. Just... I
2: got a weird note and email that said, Hey, it uh it was like myself sending it to myself <laughs> saying, Hey, you're uh did you notice your server is ninety eight point three four full <laughs> <laughs> And like I didn't do, send my note to myself to myself it was from <laughs> me addressed to me. Right. And I got up I couldn't upload anything. <laughs> But anyway, other than that, that's the webmaster uh, boogie
1: you might say. Yeah, yeah. The uh, the whole thing is a mystery to me. The whole the way the way the whole web works. I mean, I I, I hit enter and upload and these sort of things, and it seems like magical things happen. But uh, anyway, there are some other things going on. I I was at orbit just about a half hour ago before I came on the air. What is happening uh, down there on the South Pole? What is that? Uh, there seems to be something really strange uh, that's being imaged on the GOES satellites that is showing up uh, down, apparently, around the South Pole or something. Maybe you could talk a little bit about that, and we can direct people over to the web so they can actually see the imagery. What What is that, Ken?
2: Well, the GOES 10 West satellite, every night at 0915, 0915 Zulu, which is about... Uh, 1.30 a.m. night time, mm-hmm. uh, Pacific time, or 2.30 something Colorado time, and uh, the reports are coming out of Colorado, by the way. Uh, every night at the same time when the sun is directly away, 180 degrees away from the satellite with the earth in between it, mm-hmm. in other words, when the earth has eclipsed the sun at great. its greatest, uh, uh Point, uh, we're getting this incoming over the past few days, an incoming ring of light,
0: mm.
2: and uh, it's going the wrong way. It's like it's kissing the earth, like one the ring of the rim of the earth kissing the rim ring of this uh, light, as though it's not emanating from Earth, but is uh, incoming from the south.
1: Mm. That's
2: what it looks like, and I've animated it so you could see that from the ninth, tenth, eleventh, and
1: twelfth. Yeah, you can actually see it moving.
2: It moved, it's moving into the Earth in like one disc, rim of a disc, kissing another disc, and it's getting brighter and brighter. Well, we really sat on our perch last night <clears throat> wanting to catch the old 915 image, and they replaced it with the Northern Hemisphere image, mean, so we didn't get to see the full disc. Really? They set aside that data and replaced it with another, uh instead of a full disc, they gave us the Northern Hemisphere half disc, so we didn't get to see it last night. What about Whenever tonight, that kind of hankety-pankety starts coming in with the data, you know, it alerts you even more, whether right. regardless of what's going on down there.
1: I mean, it's, not, it's not even a, uh, a debate anymore. I mean, there are certainly uh, images from, from NASA and, and some of the SOHO uh, shots in the past that we know have been doctored and have been replaced by other images. So it's certainly not, uh, not without precedent.
2: So I don't know what it is. It doesn't look like the sun is leaking around the edge like you see when you see a solar eclipse. You know how the sun will suddenly come out from eclipse. Right, right. It doesn't look like that. You wonder if it's the moon, but the moon's too high in the sky, it seems to me, even though it's a full moon.
1: Mm, Just beautiful, too.
2: Uh, So I thought of something today. Remember when we... uh, we're looking at Lake Vostok in the South Pole.
1: Sure, down in Antarctica, yeah.
2: Which is a frozen lake.
1: Man, that's an important place, you know. So much research that's gone on down there, and that's still going on down there. What, what do you think about Vostok?
2: Well, I linked it so we can. I have to reread the whole thing too because it's '99 or so that we were really seriously looking at that.
1: You know, that's where all of La Violette's uh, Antarctic ice cores came from, from Vostok. <laughs>
2: It, it, well, Vostok has, has a big magnetic anomaly mm-hmm. around it to the point that around the edge of this frozen lake, you can see like the bending lines of force in the ice, mm. warp the the, the the field around it. So it seems to shape the ice itself, and uh, <clears throat> they have over off and on. I don't know. They pulled this stunt off, but they're going to drill down in through the ice, which is Oh, very sick. <laughs> and uh, see if they could pull up some microorganisms from the from ancient times, because they've been down there for a long time. Right. But uh, I, I remember something that clicked in my head today. They built like a harp-like facility, An ionospheric heater down there. I don't think it's as big an array as we see up in Gakona.
1: Right, up in Alaska.
2: Or the, uh, the Scandinavian and Russian arrays, but they they are artificially inducing uh, uh, the uh, ionosphere by heating it up from the ground with the very low frequency radio waves. So there is that installation down there, and I haven't looked into that any more than I just thought of it. <laughs> so the question... Would be posed: is, Are we actually seeing what it looks like when they turn one of these uh, transmitters on? It um,
1: hmm,
2: hmm. heats up the ionosphere. I don't know.
1: Hmm. Yeah. It, well, again, it's one of these mysteries, and and uh, all all you can do is post the imagery or whatever, let people look at the animations, and then and then uh, hopefully we get some people that can sleuth it out and try to eventually will resolve it, which is usually what happens uh, one way or, one way or the other. Uh, I mean that's the nature of the work that goes on at Orbit basically.
2: Yeah, we present an idea, see where it goes.
1: Right. And sometimes it sometimes it bears fruit, sometimes it peters out or whatever. So
2: you fetch you fetch uh, interesting things from mm-hmm. the head, so to speak, and then you dump it in plain sight, and then let various uh, people with various disciplines study it. Well, this effect is sweeping across the Internet. In fact, Zorcha Fowl and her Russian group picked it up, and they call it a quantum anomaly. Their headline goes, Quantum anom- Anomaly Stalls Above South Pole.
1: <laughs> Who's Zorcha Fall? She's that, that, that Russian writer. Who? Yeah. Uh, but I mean, what's what do we know about her? I'm I'm not I'm not quite convinced of her authenticity.
2: Well, I I don't know, <clears throat> I don't know. But she generally footnotes everything, whether hmm. she's authentic or not.
1: Yeah, yeah, she does include uh, links to articles that she references in in her writing, no doubt.
2: I've accepted her pretty much as somebody like myself.
1: Hmm. Interesting. Just somebody out there fishing and putting mm-hmm. it
2: out. Yeah. Uh, putting things together the best they can mm. with the with the background that they have. But yeah, she draws a lot of criticism. Why well she's Russian by God, you know, I
1: can't mm-hmm. trust
2: those Ruskies. <laughs>
1: <laughs> right. Like we can trust the Americans. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
2: but anyway, that's pretty fancy. Quantum anomaly stalls above South Pole. Mm. So anyway folks, uh we could use uh, your help on this, you know, you can watch it as we watch it and we're trying to get the significant frames every night, and I've posted the latest frame. It's just this big crescent ring moving into the Earth from the south, and I've got the animation that shows that it begins on about the 9th. And I'm getting all kinds of feedback, like people saying there was a magnetosphere spike
3: uh,
2: on the 9th a little bit earlier around 5 o'clock, four hours prior to what we've seeing this. But uh, I need to I need to dig into that. It's still uh, uncharted territory as far as I am. All
1: right. The, was Was there an image from this evening? Were you able? Uh, you said last That's night. That's yet
2: think, to come. All
1: right. Well, it'll be interesting to see what they so put it'd up be, tonight.
2: Yeah, it'll be like uh, one one thirty or so, might. Hmm. All
1: right. Well, I'm sure you'll put an update on the web there and let us know what the what the latest is. So. And then
2: another thing, real quickly, we've got uh, a suspicious device. Uh, is being instigated on 210 Freeway in the Sylmar area, south of Los Angeles.
1: What does that mean?
2: Looks like a freaking big bullet.
1: It's on the highway. Several
2: feet long yeah. and a couple and a foot wide. I.e., a bomb lying hey. on the side of the freeway. Really? Outside of Los Angeles, and uh, it backed up traffic earlier today, and it's still backed up. So they're taking their time with it. Huh.
1: That's breaking news. Who knows? Weirder and weirder. Our vice presidents shooting people? uh, You you know. I mean, who knows what the hell is going on with that? Um, We've got anomalous quantum signatures in the South Pole. Uh, What else is happening? You said you're getting a bad rap at orbit. What's the? What what do you mean by that? Well,
2: I put up a link because it was, you know, like I I try to cover things that are circulating around the. uh, internet but there's an asteroid asteroid asteroid, as identified by a german group it's called asteroid Mm alh2804-c which is an unusual designation for Mm -hmm. an asteroid but i put a tiny link to it because i wanted to follow it up later on because when you go to google it's like about 10 pages discussing this thing and apparently an asteroid was discussed by a mainstream german astronomical site As incoming and dangerous, Hmm. and then later they uh, they said, "Oh well, they uh, put a disclaimer that it was an April Fool's joke." Well, boy, I got jumped on really seriously by a pretty big radio show for putting a tiny little link amongst hundreds of links on a website.
0: Hmm.
2: Now, when that happens, you know, I I I said, "Well, it's probably." I put up my own notice saying, Well, it probably is a dead end street but you know, I'm thinking after the fact that when something like that happens, when you really get jumped on hmm. especially for a minor
1: tidbit. Yeah, maybe there's yeah, there more, might be
2: something there. Might be so. something
1: to well, I mean the 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 strange thing about that is that uh and we and we just sort of touched on it a moment ago, is that that's the nature of orbit. It's always been like that. I mean and, and this is not to take anything away from the wonderful research that you do, but the point is that there are always uh links here or there that end up as I said earlier, not bearing fruit that don't turn out to be not interesting or 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 can be or can't be verified that sort of thing but uh that's not the point I mean the point is that you put all this stuff up there in order for people to look at it and and, and and do exactly that, to sort it out, to try to separate the wheat from the chaff.
2: Yeah, I don't want, want to whine about it, but what I did early in the morning was just put it up, that link up, so I wouldn't
1: forget hmm. that it's there.
2: And then right. by the evening, I'm getting all kinds of feedback that, boy, they really trash you for doing that.
0: Hmm. Well, so uh, that,
2: that might be an in indication of uh, that particular story. It may be an indication of a broader thing. You know, the NSA has been going around this past week... and Doing mock attacks on the internet, mm, yeah, things like that. Uh, so who knows?
1: Who knows? But well, as far
2: as I'm concerned, you know, look, I, I've led a, I've led an interesting life and kind of wild in my youth, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and now I'm a father of young adult children and grandchildren. So so any slack incoming, for even from. Uh, uh, High-powered spooks is nothing compared to what I've seen. <laughs> so yeah. Bring it on. Yeah,
1: the wrath of a two-year-old. You don't know what... you got no idea what's happening until you've had that. Well, it's I, all
2: very interesting. Come, come by and visit. Help, help us uh, join in with our investigation. That's the whole thing. It takes many, many eyes to, to uh, check these things out. Yeah, and,
1: and different perspectives and all that stuff. And, you know, two heads are better than one, et cetera, et cetera. And the whole idea that... I don't know. It's not even worth talking about. I see that as just silliness. Uh, you know, people that are getting down on you about something like that. It seems like show me one of these guys that hasn't uh, done something like that in their own past. In other words, we've all we've all been suckered by information at times. Uh, you know what I mean? Not that that's what happened in this case, but I mean we've all. Uh, well, that's cha- happened
2: to me. Yeah. Yeah, but I'm mean, out and I bite, and then they jump. Yeah.
1: At me I mean, but we've all we've all chased. You know, we've all chased ghosts, and many of the wonderful researchers that are out there in the mainstream and otherwise uh, have always chased ghosts. I mean, that's the whole deal. The, you, you got to chase some ghosts in order to find the real deal sometimes. So, anyway, that's just research. That's just the way it goes, so I wouldn't even sweat it, you know? Yeah. It anyway, makes it interesting, actually. Yeah, it sure does. And and like you say, it might be an indicator more than anything else because, uh, I mean, gosh, I mean, if, if they pick on that little thing, why? I mean, because they're... It's, it's, it wasn't that special, it seems like. Hmm.
2: No, and, I, and, and a certain amount of flack has come since we be, began looking at this South Pole light too. So, huh. I am not I don't know what it is myself. Right. Uh have some ideas. It could be something very mundane too, I don't know, bending of light in relationship to the sun.
1: Yeah, and it is or a cold the moon. moon. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, we'll, have to, we'll have to see it. And but it's
2: really strange looking And and, you know, I'm an artist, a visualist, and when I see something that looks weird. Boy, I'd go for it! <laughs>
1: hmm. Yeah, I know. I, 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 when I went to the site earlier and I saw that image, I was like, "Well, that's certainly something that Kent and I will have to have to talk about." So, all right, so let's um, get back on the air in a week or two here, and we'll talk a little bit more about how these things pan out. Okay?
2: Okay, go, go chase some ghosts for me.
1: Yeah, and anybody, uh, <laughs> if you're interested in this stuff and you want to give us a hand, get involved in these uh, interesting and strange investigations of the unusual. Uh, Hop on the web and go over to cyberspaceorbit.com, C-Y-B-E-R-S-P-A-C-E-O-R-B-I-T.com. You can always link there from mikehagan.com. And uh, check out the work of the man, Kent Stedman himself. It's an amazing website and uh, an amazing historical artifact now, too, Kent. How long uh, has Orbit been uh, uh, archiving investigations now on the web?
2: Uh, Starting about 97, and uh, I went on the web earlier than that, and Building up the courage to, to publish, hmm. so it's been about ninety in nineteen ninety seven, close to eight years, maybe with the preliminary build up to it was close to ten.
1: Yeah, well, there's some amazing stuff uh, tucked in those ten years. So, thanks as always uh, for keeping it up. All right, man.
2: Yeah. Carry on. All right, we'll do. Bye.
1: All right, bye. All right, everybody. That was Kent Stedman from cyberspaceorbit.com, dot com, and uh, this is Mike Hagan and you're listening to Radio Orbit. Uh, let's take a quick break here. Let's listen to a song here from Low to G. This one is called Drifting Away. So Bardo's drifting away, and we're going to have Joanna drifting in in just a minute. So this is Mike. you listen to Radio Orbit. We'll be back in just a few minutes, Okay. Music of Lotiji, and uh, you can find them on the web at www.lotiji.com. You can also get there directly from mikehagan.com if you just click on the music tab at the website. Okay, wonderful stuff. That song was called "Drifting Away." All right, this is Mike, and you're listening to Radio Orbit. It's about 11:45 on Monday, the 13th of February. 2006, and we're just about uh, closing in on Tuesday here. All right, and when Tuesday comes, we will also have our guest on the air, Joanna Harcourt-Smith, and she'll be with us in about 15 minutes or so, okay? In the meantime, let's talk about a couple things here. Real quick, uh, thanks to Kent uh, Kent Stedman, www.cyberspaceorbit.com. And good stuff always coming from Kent, and really interesting stuff on his website. If you haven't been to uh, to Kent's site, uh, it really is amazing. You never know what you're going to find over there, but it's just a fascinating uh, labyrinth of interesting information. And uh, he was one of the uh, sources of my sort of opening up to these new worlds of uh, information. Many, many years ago, I stumbled across Kent and his website. And, my gosh, some of the stuff that I read there, I was appalled. You know, I couldn't believe the things I was seeing and reading. And uh we became friends, and I got interested and learned about a lot of these things. And we eventually became sort of partners and investigate a lot of real strange things together over the years. And learned a lot and got burned a lot, too. And that's uh, the way the world works, apparently. All right, let's do space weather really quickly here, okay? All right, it is the snow moon. If you haven't noticed, over the last 24 hours, there has been a beautiful, beautiful full moon uh, crossing right above the tops of our heads uh, overnight right now. And according to folklore, uh, the full moon, which was actually officially full last night, it's been full for about, oh, I don't know. 14, 15 hours. Uh, it's called the snow moon, actually. And uh, typically the heaviest snowfalls in the North American continent occur during the month of February and many of the indigenous tribes of uh, the north and uh, in the east as well called February's full moon the, the snow moon. And there were also some references, I think, to the, to, uh, the, the full moon of February as the hunger moon as well, because it was a time of year when conditions were very difficult um, uh, for hunting. And it was one of those lean times during the year. So anyway, a beautiful snow moon, both last night and tonight. If you go out, all you got to do is look up. You can't miss it, all right? Okay, uh, now here's something that you will miss, unless you have a telescope. There's an interesting little storm going on. Uh, on the planet Saturn right now. For about three or four weeks now, astronomers have been watching a storm that shows up as this pretty big white spot on the planet. You can see some images of it on the web if you go over to spaceweather.com or space.com. There's a bunch of people that are looking at this, and uh, it's amazing. It's these, this giant storm that uh, seems to be spinning on the surface of the of the planet there's a spacecraft actually called Cassini that is a a NASA mission that has been uh, listening in, actually, and uh, detecting these crackling sort of radio bursts. And that is sort of indicative that it's a thunderstorm or lightning type of storm on the planet. So, anyway, real strange things happening on the planet Saturn, but maybe not that different from things that happen right here on our planet as well, things like thunderstorms. And we know now that... uh, on some of the Jovian moons and in the Saturnian system that there is water, liquid water, in the atmospheres of these planets and moons. So, anyway, amazing stuff. All right, let's see, what else is going on here? February 13th, that's today. Uh, For those of you who are into um, trivia, the moon actually tonight reached its greatest distance from the Earth that's just over two hundred and fifty thousand miles, about two hundred and fifty two thousand miles and um, as I said, if you look in the east a little bit north of east in the twilight you'll see the moon rising tonight and it'll cruise right overhead and then drop in the west in the early uh, early morning hours it's absolutely beautiful though, and one of the uh, let's see what else we have here in the uh, In the twilight morning hours, actually, you'll be able to see Venus and Jupiter that are uh, both very bright in the sky. They'll be about 60 degrees apart. Venus, actually, if you look, you know, we've talked about this before, but if you look at Venus with a telescope or even with a strong pair of binoculars, you'll see that uh, it actually has phases just like the moon does. And right now, Venus will actually appear as a crescent, about a quarter full, actually. All right, what else? Um, well, we've got a few minutes here. That's it. Otherwise, there's nothing going on in the sun. It's very quiet, actually. Uh, probably the, the lowest amount of uh, x-ray activity from the sun that we've seen in quite a while. I think since like 1997, actually, I read. So anyway, very quiet on the sun right now. And I haven't seen anything other than the the standard flyby comets and asteroids that are all predicted and uh, known about. So uh, pretty quiet in our local neighborhood out there in the skies above your heads, okay? All right, here's a couple stories we'll talk about really quick in the news. Uh, Which one should I choose here? By the way, go on the web uh, to www.mikehagen.com and click on the News tab. And there's all kinds of interesting stories there that I've gathered up over the last week or so since the last time we talked and I'm just sort of glancing at my notes here to try to decide which ones we should talk about oh, here's a good one actually The Faded Sky, this is a book review the book is written by uh, Benson Bobrick anyway, uh, the story goes like this on the subject of astrology the world is pretty much divided into three camps skeptics or religious zealots who know nothing about it at all, but think they do, and loudly, and loudly preach against it. Consumers, who only know their sun signs and use it for fun, and practitioners, who know entirely too little about it and call themselves professionals. The result has been for, for at least the last couple hundred years that this former mother of sciences has fallen onto hard times indeed. Fortunately, historian Benson Bobrick has come along in the nick of time We're at the right destined time, shall we say, to help correct the problem. It's time to see the forest instead of the trees and to study history so we don't make the same mistakes yet again. And as so often happens, it is the work of newly researched and refreshingly revisionist history instead of a retrospective propaganda written by victors that clarifies the issue and brilliantly illuminates a formerly ill-lit stage. And this article goes on quite lengthy, lengthy, uh, but you can get at it on the web. As I said, just go to my website at Mike Hagan and go click on the news page. All right, it's called The Faded Sky: Astrology and History. It's a book by Benson Bobrick. All right, let's see what else here. Well, it is uh, the eve of Saint Valentine's Day, so here's a little something from Brad Steiger. Uh, it comes from Fate Magazine. Uh, It's entitled, From Werewolves with Love, The History of Valentine's Day. And Brad Steiger, of course, is a friend of Jeff Rents. And Jeff does a radio program as well. I'm sure most of you know that. And uh, Brad does the show, I don't know if it's every Friday. It used to be every Friday. But he's on the show uh, on the air frequently with Jeff. Anyway, uh, here it goes. Everyone thinks that they know the origin of Valentine's Day. According to the most commonly accepted story, Emperor Claudius of Rome issued a decree forbidding marriage in the year 271. Roman generals had found that married men did not make very good soldiers because they wanted to return as quickly as possible to their wives and children, and they didn't want to leave them to begin with in the first place. So Claudius issued this edict that there should be no more marriages, and all single men should report for duty. Again, supposedly a priest named Valentine... Deemed such a decree an abomination, and he secretly continued to marry young lovers and young men and women. When Claudius learned of the extreme act of disobedience to his imperial command, he ordered the priest dragged off to prison and had him executed on February 14th. Father Valentine, the friend of sweethearts everywhere, became a martyr to love and the sanctity of marriage. And when the church gained power in the Roman Empire, the Holy See was quick to make him a saint the early church fathers were well aware of the popularity of a vast number of heathen gods and goddesses, as well as as, uh, the dates of observation of pagan festivals. So they set about replacing as many of the entities and the holidays as possible with ecclesiastical saints and feast days. Mid-February had an ancient history of being devoted to acts of love of a far more passionate and lusty nature than the church wished to bless. And the bishops moved to speedily as possible, claim the days of February 14th through 17th as belonging to St. Valentine, the courageous martyr to the ties that bound couples in Christian love. Uh, but uh, the story goes on, and it turns out that Valentine's Day actually has a much deeper and uh, more interesting history than uh, the Christian trad- tradition might uh, might allude to. All right, we are just about to the top of the hour here. We're going to play one more piece of music from to G, and then we're going to come back with uh, Joanna Harcourt-Smith. i got a couple things to mention at the top of the hour, and then we'll talk with Joanna for the next two hours. And we'll have to thank Joanna first off, because it is very early in the morning in Spain. Of course, I may not have mentioned it, but we'll be talking to Joanna live from her home in uh, a lovely little town in the beautiful country of Spain, in Europe. And it's about seven hours later than it is here, which makes it... Just going on seven o'clock in the morning there. All right, so this is Mike. You listen to Radio Orbit, and this is also Loaded G. We'll be back in just a few minutes with Joanna Harcourt Smith, and this song is called "Let Me Be" from Loaded G. This is Mike. You listen to Radio Orbit. Check it all out on the web at www.mikehagan.com. We'll be back in just a minute with Joanna Harcourt Smith. Mm-hmm. That's loaded G, and this is Mike Hagen. You're listening to Radio Orbit. All right, we're going to get to my guest, Joanna Harcourt-Smith, in just a minute. There are a couple of things I wanted to mention uh, that I wanted to say earlier, uh, but I need to get this out of the way. Really strange, actually. Um, for the past four weeks, actually for the past five weeks, we've been talking about eschatology and uh the so-called end of time, the end of all things, or the turning of cycles, the turning of ages, and we've spoken with Doctor Paul, uh, Doctor Paul Laviolette. Jay Widener was on the air with us a couple of weeks ago. I just spoke with Jay earlier tonight. As a matter of fact, uh, we had words from Terrence McKenna at the beginning of the year. A wonderful way to start the start the year off with Terrence, uh, John. Major Jenkins, of course, just last week. In the middle, we had Star Newland, who's doing amazing work with dolphins in Hawaii with Dr. Michael Heisen as her partner, and they actually fit into this mix as well. But anyway, it's been a very strange and interesting beginning to the year, and in the midst of all this, my friend, uh, my friend Tim died, and... This is, I've spoken about this on the air for a few weeks now, and this will be the end of it. You won't hear any more of it. Sort of reached some closure with it, actually, and that's sort of why I wanted to mention this before we go to Joanna. But it sort of came to me last night, as a matter of fact. I was outside, and it was an absolutely beautiful night. The full moon was above me, Orion off to the south. Mars directly above, and incredibly clear and cold here in mid-Missouri where I live. And I was thinking about this idea of time, and it just sort of hit me that the message that's been delivered and was punctuated with the death, the untimely death, I might add, of my friend Tim The message of time is that you might not have as much time as you think. And it was so subtle, but also so blatantly obvious, even in my friend's name, Tim. All you have to do is add an E. And you know what I'm talking about. So the message of time, or the message of Tim... You might not have as much time as you think, so make the most of it. Live now, love now, do your art, do your thing, okay? All right, and that's that. All right, we will now move on to the next theme, and uh, who knows where this one will take us. And we're going to begin with a wonderful woman. Her name is Joanna Harcourt-Smith. She's my friend, and she is the co-founder of a project and a website called Metahistory, M-E-T-A-H-I-S-T-O-R-Y.org, Metahistory.org. You can get there, of course, from MikeHagan.com. Just click on Joanna's name there on the front page. She has an amazing history. She is soon to be my partner, on a new project that her and I are uh, embarking upon and just in the development stages of right now. But uh, we have many, many things to talk about. She's just back from um, an amazing adventure in Basel, Switzerland, at the symposium that was wrapped around the 100th birthday of Albert Hoffman, which I mentioned earlier in the program. Of course, Albert Hoffman in 1938 was the uh, discoverer of the compound for LSD and uh, without further delay let's say hello Joanna it's early morning in Spain but thank you very much for taking the time out and being with us hello
3: hello Mike (laughs) I'm really happy to be here with you and hello to the people who love listening to your program I know you have some really faithful and wonderful listeners because I got some some really good emails after I was on your show last time so hello, everybody, and it's good to be back.
1: Well, thank you very much, and it's a pleasure to hear your voice as always. I love, um, there's something different about hearing your voice uh, in the headphones over the radio than there is uh, over the little uh, speaker in my telephone, and I guess the dynamic is different, but I love h- hearing you on the air, and I'm uh, very pleased that, that you could uh take the time out and do it. So, uh so hey, what's going on? It's early morning and it's a uh, probably a beautiful morning there. Let's tell the people first of all where you are.
3: Okay. Um, well, it's uh, Spain, which uh, is not America, which is <laughs> interesting in itself, oh my you gosh. know, because there's something really fascinating about the fact that uh people really have made the individuality of each country uh the thing is that the atmosphere you know how how each person carries an atmosphere with them
0: sure
3: like for instance i'm sure your friend tim there was a special atmosphere to his life that you uh, could feel no uh, when you were with him or not with him is that true absolutely yes yeah and I'm fascinated by this notion that uh, um, that that people carry atmospheres and regions carry atmospheres, mm-hmm. and when those people or those regions disappear, uh, the atmosphere goes with them. It's not it's not just like like you know how somebody's smell is so dear, mm. and then when somebody leaves. Um, dies per se the the smell goes with them you know so what i'm saying coming back to spain is that sp- spain and especially here in the south of spain has a very different flavor yeah. than uh well than santa fe where i used to live in the united states
0: right right
3: right and um one thing that i can report about here is that it seems that the season and have jumped two months ahead. Hmm. Like the first time I noticed that was in May when I went up on this this hill that uh, John and I often go to. This place of where we have intimacy with the land. Uh, I went up there and I noticed that in May it was like in July, hmm. and it seems to be happening. I don't know if it's happening where you're living. Well, you know. Uh,
1: Right now, it's very cold here, actually, which is pretty typical uh, for this time of year. But my observation, I think, has been, uh, I mean, as far as weather patterns and this sort of thing, is that uh, just more more chaotic. I'm seeing greater swings. And, yeah, uh, you know, you see these anomalous things that pop up like you're seeing. But I, I think in general, there's just a tremendous amount of change happening. And I think, you know... Uh, I think global warming is sort of an oversimplification, it's more like just global change. I mean, some places are heating up, some places are getting colder. It's just the patterns are shifting, it seems like.
3: I think that there's absolutely no doubt that um, we're on the edge of sudden change. Hmm. That's very, very exciting to me. and. I wanted to say that when you were um when you were you were talking at the top of the hour you reminded me that uh, that I've had two or three experiences since the beginning of the year where uh for some reason I was able to go to the place of where I would leave my body for for good
0: hmm.
3: and um I realized for the first time in my life that I could perfectly accept to leave what was Joanna and mm. I'm not saying this at all in a sense of being either depressed or old or you know because I absolutely adore life <laughs> I <know you> do. <laughs> uh, but this wonderful feeling of understanding very deeply that there are conditions operating at this time that are called joanna harcourt smith mm. that whatever is eternal about me could leave without uh, being afraid mm. and that's been a, a really um a really wonderful feeling a great gift
1: yeah because it seems like those those are the breakthrough times yeah when you break yeah. through, you know, when you get beyond the fear or whatever, that's when you really make the breakthroughs, apparently. Or at least it seemed, that's been my experience.
3: Would it be something like, uh, oh, uh, now I have to move from Santa Fe to Spain and I'll have to leave all my clothes away and every little single piece of of, of memorabilia that, uh, that identifies me? Mm-hmm.
1: I'm I'm sorry, when when did you move uh, from the States to Spain? How long have you been there?
3: I've been there two and a half years. And uh, it was really interesting to move because the first eight months, I was just withering and withering and withering. I'd been 18 years in Santa Fe. Mm -hmm. And then uh, I transplanted... uh, some uh, lemon trees, little lemon trees I had on my balcony here, and I saw that they took a month uh, to come back, and for a month they looked like they were dying, Mm -hmm. and I almost wanted to give up on them, because they were withering in such such an obvious way, (laughs) and then they came back better than ever, (laughs) so I think we're like that, We're uh, we're like trees or plants that are um, that it when we transplant ourselves. You oh know?
1: man, that's amazing! You you, you remind me. I'll, I'll tell you a, a, a similar story. I have this aloe plant, an aloe vera plant, right? Mm-hmm. And I've had it now for about f- five years. But when I first had it, I paid no attention to it, and I didn't take very good care of it. And in fact, one day I set it outside. And I was living, it was right when I had moved here to Columbia, uh, to Missouri. And in the summers here, it's hotter than blazes, right?
0: Mm Mm-hmm. And
1: I left this aloe plant out in this little pot. And I left it outside. I basically forgot about it. And I left it out there for days, maybe a week, I don't know, in the the brutal hot August sun. Mm -hmm. And anyway, I... One one day as I was walking in from work or something, I saw it, and I thought, oh, man, should I just throw that thing out? It was brown, you know what I mean, and withered, and uh-huh. like you say. And I thought, should I just throw that thing out? And I thought, ah, oh, no, you know, I'll, I'll bring it back inside. And it was just sort of an afterthought. Anyway, I still have that aloe plant, and it is Thriving now. It's the big giant aloe plant that sits on my kitchen windowsill and it like takes up all the space on the windowsill but it's like Amazing that that plant survived and and there is some analogy there to our own experience. You're absolutely right
3: Well, you know, I'm very 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 much into this um, this mantra uh, which I've taken over uh, which is intimacy with the land Hmm. creating intimacy with the land and um, for some reason that has really struck me hmm. that it's incredibly important and so what you're reminding me of with the um with the aloe plant is that now you have created an intimacy with this plant hmm. and most certainly it has uh, it has intimacy with you, no doubt. and I think that uh, That's what I need to do anyway is to really really create intimacy with my surroundings mm. Like in this village there are 1,300 people.
1: So it's a very small little village, huh?
3: Yeah, it's a small little village that hangs over the uh, ho- hangs over a mountain huh. and the mountain the view from this mountain and this village plunges down 20 miles down. You can see 20 miles down onto the Mediterranean and the Atlantic. Oh, man. It's extraordinary. And across the across the strait- Straits of Gibraltar, where the Atlantic and the Mediterranean come together, you can see Africa. You can see Morocco. Hmm. Amazing. So you can really you really you're really in a strategic place because you're at the very tip of europe right and you're looking out at africa and i'll come back to what i wanted to say about the the 1300 people in the village Mm -hmm. um i heard a very interesting statistic um, last week i heard that there were 60 million muslim people in europe 6-0,
1: Six zero, 60 million.
3: Six zero, 60 million. Mm. And a lot of those people pour in through the Straits of Gibraltar right, right here. Right
0: from Northern Pour Africa.
3: in from Morocco. Mm. They come they come to Morocco from where wherever they are and then they come across uh by boat. And a friend of mine who's an ambassador who is an ambassador of Spain in Washington Said to me once, you know, if the Muslim people wanted to take over, it would be really easy because they're already in place. Hmm. And that really struck me as a fascinating piece of news. 60 million people scattered around the countries of Europe.
1: Right, right. Well, it's almost like the world really has been sort of integrated, whether you like it or not. I mean there's a there's a very i don't know the exact number, but certainly in the millions of people of Muslim faith in the united states and and you could say that about all kinds of other different beliefs. It's like there's there are so many different belief systems that all of the world's sort of cultures and societies are sort of melting together and I think that this idea of the you know a war of civilization you know the east versus the west and all this sort of thing I think it's an illusion because how can Europe fight a war against the the Muslim east when it's completely integrated within its own borders
3: beautifully said beautifully said and uh, and that just the thing is that the way I see it um, separation Hmm. is the ultimate weapon of the patriarchy
1: oh you're right about that
3: just absolutely struggling to maintain mm-hmm. differences and building. I mean, building differences through the through the ages. You know, and the ages is very short amount of time. We're talking two thousand years.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. but the patriarchy really struggling to build those differences through the ages, through through the centuries, and those get those differences as you just said breaking down because we are so much more mobile than we used to be.
1: Yes, and, and, and so much more communicative or or we have the ability now to communicate. I, I you know I'm such we've we you know you and I talk about this a lot, but I'm such a a fan and a and a proponent of the capabilities of the web and the ability that the web uh, provides for doing exactly what you're talking about, breaking down boundaries, removing boundaries, and uh, this is something that is just amazing to me. And I think I think you're absolutely right. It's happening, and I think there's a tremendous push to try to uh, to try to impede it from happening. But it really seems to me to be just a a fruitless battle for the, for those that are trying to maintain control of this thing.
3: Well. You see, the thing, the thing, uh, the thing is that um, that's one thing: the fact that there are no there are no defined boundaries between uh, between, I would say, culture and uh, race, and that that is something really fabulous, and that weapon, uh, the greatest weapon of the patriarchy is divide to conquer.
0: Mm, divide and rule, sure.
3: Divide in the world but the thing that's more important than that which you know very well which is also part of our conversation is that in order to survive we have to we have to really go deep into interspecies communication mm-hmm. um you know like uh, uh have a a tree and a rabbit communicate through the internet. <laughs> uh, you see what I'm saying?
1: Yeah, I do. There's a great yeah. old, there's a great old story, uh, anecdotal story in a in a book called um, "Morning of the Magicians" that I talk about a lot. But uh, they, yep. they 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 interview uh, an African woman who talks about how she communicates with her husband. And the way she does it is she walks uh, outside of the uh, little village where they live and she goes to this one particular tree and she puts her hand on the tree and she communicates to her husband wherever he might be, uh, off hunting or whatever, and she does it through this tree, right? And, and they ask her, well, how, how is it that you use the tree to communicate with your husband? And she says, well, because I don't have a telephone.
3: yeah that's that's really wonderful
1: let's talk a little bit more about about what's your situation in Spain and I also want to want to talk we 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 haven't had a chance to do this before so I want to talk a little bit about your background too I want people to learn a little bit more about about how the hell you got where you are I mean it's been wonderful okay so let's do a little bit and we'll have we'll have plenty of time to talk about uh, the Hoffman Symposium, and we can talk a little bit about our project uh, toward the end of the show and all that too. Okay?
3: Great. I'm chewing on a piece of toast.
1: Ooh, that sounds good, actually.
3: That's because I feel so incredibly comfortable with you on the show. <laughs> Man, now you're making me
1: hungry. It's like I'm I'm I've got a little bottle of water here, but that's about it. So.
3: Well, to me to me it's about being as human as one can possibly be. Whether it's a glass of water
1: or a piece of toast. <laughs> well, enjoy your toast as long as it doesn't impede your speech too much. Um, and uh, so, tell us more about this. What is the name of the town there in Spain where you moved to, Joanna? And how did you come across it?
3: Well, the town is called Gaussin. Gaucin. And it's in the the um, southern part of most southern part of Spain. Mm, okay. And where. Um, flamenco is the dance and the music. Very passionate part of Spain where the gypsies live. And, um, I got here actually, my partner on the site, metahistory.org, John right. Lash.
1: John Lash, of course.
3: Yeah. Found out about, he went to a flamenco cafe in Belgium and he found out about this particular. Small triangle, triangle of of land around here, and you know, over like a 200 kilometer triangle of land above the Mediterranean. Okay. And we came here together four years ago, and uh, we found that it was a very, very powerful and beautiful spot. And so um, I wanted to leave the United States at that point. I I wanted to. Um, to move back to Europe for a while and um, not so happy with um, with what I sensed if anybody has read the the uh, the piece that you so aptly and kindly posted on your site
1: <laughs> let's let's remind him Joanna real fast uh, the web uh, site if you go to uh, Mike Hagan com and just page down a little ways you'll see uh, you'll see some information about Joanna, and if you click on that link, it'll take you to um, the, the, the piece that Joanna is talking about. And uh, the website for Joanna and John, of course, and we should mention this, uh, is metahistory.org. M E T A H I S T O R Y, metahistory.org. And MetaHistory is sponsored by another wonderful organization that I'm becoming more familiar with, and that is called the Marion Institute. And that's m a r i o n institute dot o r g. Okay, so we got those uh, those IDs out of the way, Joanna.
3: Yeah, and um, not just that you're becoming more uh, more familiar with the Marion Institute. You're becoming um, for the project we're doing together. You're becoming part of the family of the <laughs> Marion Institute.
1: And I'm very excited about it. So we'll we'll definitely have to tell uh, the people a little bit more about that uh, in uh, down the road here. So.
3: So here we go It's like uh I left the United States because my question is what war I mean, after that, you could say, "Stop the war don't do war, don't do war on iraq so but but my main question is what war and by what war, what I mean is, yes, um, there was a terrible uh there was a there was a terrible event that happened in um september mm. ele- on september 11th right. but what was that about how did it happen why did it happen who did it happen from mm-hmm. uh, and not just revenge 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 mm. mm-hmm. i mean you know and understand the desire for revenge but First of all, is revenge a good thing? But on the other hand, I understand the desire for revenge. I can't say that I haven't, excuse me, I haven't felt murderously angry at times. But, but come on, uh, let's be a little bit uh, discerning about what our, what our dreams of revenge are, Mm. and why, and towards who. And so this blind war cry once again, to me, is totally just another moment of um, of the green, the last green from it of the patriarchy.
0: Hmm. Yeah, it and, is, it...
3: um And buying the notion that we must be at war uh, is just was just very difficult for me to live with. So this is why I moved to Spain.
1: Right. Well, you said uh, earlier you said it was time to move back to Europe. What's uh, you were born actually in Europe? Is that correct?
3: Yeah, that's true. That's true. Well, I was born in Switzerland. It's it's a bit confusing because I'm a true European. (laughs) I was I was born before Europe actually existed politically. I I'm a true European. I was born in Switzerland. My mother. was Polish, my father was British, and I grew up in Paris, which I think uh, was a beautiful, beautiful place to grow up, very alive and beautiful city. But I always dreamt of coming to the States, always. Mm -hmm. I mean, I guess, you know, when I was growing up, the, uh, the United States felt to me as a very, very mythical place and uh it was a time where uh immigrating to america is e- for europeans and you know i was i was kind of lucky i was born in uh, in um the sort of european elite and i'm only saying lucky because of being exposed to art and culture you know painting and um and reading and so on sure but it was a time where we really, the dream was to come to the United States. The United States was the mythical country
0: mm-hmm.
3: in the 50s and, and 60s. So as soon as I could get it together, which was in my early 20s, um, I came to the States. And I arrived on the strangest possible day. Anybody could arrive in in Washington DC I chose to come to Washington DC mm-hmm. and I arrived on the day of the biggest demonstration that had ever been which was I think it was the 11th of November
0: 1969
3: mm-hmm. and it was there were um, between 3 and 400,000 people in the streets of Washington and, and they were young protesting
1: people. what Vietnam
3: Protesting the Vietnam War, mm. and they were young people, right. and it was the biggest demonstration that had ever happened. And I just got off the plane,
1: <laughs> and you're like, "Oh my gosh!"
3: And and uh, uh, a a friend of mine just took me to the demonstration immediately. I dropped off my bags and took me to the demonstration on his motorbike, <laughs> you know. Right. And I I got there, and i I thought that was america um (laughs) thousands of young people dressed in the most amazing costumes because that at that time um you know hippie fashions were in full swing and dressed in the most amazing costumes all people my age thousands of thousands of them in the street and I thought, oh my God, this is the place I want to be. This is a really groovy country, you know. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. And needless to say, passing me joints or apples, <laughs> which was equally wonderful. And um, so, I decided I wanted to stay there. I really wanted to stay in this country because I, I believe that that's. Where cha- I believed that that's where change would come from, that's where the evolution of the planet would come from, and mm. I wanted to be a part of it. Right.
1: Okay. Uh, time frame for that? You said you were in your in your early 20s. Yeah,
3: I was. Uh, let's say, I was 23 years old.
1: All right. Yeah. So, yeah. and you were in and you were in Washington.
3: I was in Washington D.C.
1: When uh, and how did you meet Tim? Yeah. So and and, and for, for for the listeners, we haven't mentioned it yet, and if you're not familiar with Joanna, she uh, is the former wife of Timothy Leary, uh, the former Joanna Leary. So uh, that out of the way, Joanna, how did you meet Tim? That's got to be an amazing story.
3: See, I was telling people at the um, symposium in Basel that... Um, I only changed my. I only changed my name three, back to my Joanna Harcourt Smith is the name I was born with. Mm. I was born with. Um, it is the name I inherited when I was born. Right. right. <laughs> <laughs> but um, for the longest time, I kept the name Leary, Joanna Leary. And um, well, basically, what happened was that um, I. Uh, I became interested in the whole counterculture living living in um, in Washington DC in 1969 and I I have always had this extreme need and desire to understand things um on a spiritual on a spiritual level I always had a, a longing and a yearning and an an understanding that there was a lot more than um than met my eye and um you and I have talked about this mm. i also in my early childhood i i was i was abused and i was humiliated and uh i was treated with a certain degree of brutality by mm. uh, by my family and uh and I kept my my spirit alive, and I was absolutely, you know, it was almost like there was a witness inside of me that that couldn't believe that with that amount of brutality, um I could my spirit would stay alive, and mm. my and 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 a part that there was a part of my human dignity that could not be violated. Mm.
1: Um, Joanna, it's like and I've,
3: I've read that about like concentration camp survivors and I really believe that that abused children are like are like concentration camp survivors and some of us can really really survive it. Well yeah it, and um
1: you know it goes back so
3: I there was always a witness in me that could say there's a spirit that's really strong there and there's a spirit that's searching some for something that's really important. Mm. And um so after I came to the States for this uh, uh, for this demonstration and I stayed a while, uh, I found out a bit about the counterculture, and uh, I found out because everybody was talking about him that there was this man called Timothy Leary who had been a um, Harvard uh, professor and uh, also Berkeley professor and who was a, uh, a f- psychologist who uh, invented some amazing um uh tests uh personality tests and well I knew he'd been thrown out of Harvard <laughs> and I knew he was he was working with LSD and the effects of LSD and I really wanted to meet him because I thought Coming back to what I was saying about my spirit still being hmm. uh, uh, still being alive and wanting to transcend the pain, I thought he might have some answers for me. Okay. So I began to look for him and realized that he had escaped from prison in the States because um, he had been um, he had been um, in, in French condemned, but in English it's sentenced to um, 5 to 15 years in prison in California for 00.1 grams of marijuana. That's right, that's right.
1: 1969, 00.1 gram,
3: 5 to 15 in California. Um, And he escaped from prison. He was actually helped by the weatherman.
1: Yeah, it's an amazing story. The story of his escape from prison is just absolutely amazing.
3: It's phenomenal it's really phenomenal, is. so um you know it appealed to me, it appealed to me. Here was this man who who it was everything that i it was everything that i wanted someone who was an adventurer, someone who had the guts to escape from prison, someone who was a revolutionary who was who was teaming up with the people. Who were making the most powerful noise about revolution in this country? Somebody who wasn't afraid to investigate his own um, his own psyche, his own consciousness, and even to offer himself up as uh, as, um, as as, as, as a, one of the first experimenters mm. with mind uh, mind opening, mind enhancing chemicals. Um, I wanted to meet him, I wanted to meet him, I wanted to know what he knew, what he saw, Mm. you know. My curiosity was intense enough that a series of serendipitous (laughs) events happened. (laughs) Now this is an important one. My curiosity was intense enough that I believe it triggered a series of serendipities that led me to him and i think that the same thing was happening to him his need for me was so strong his intent to meet me was so strong although we didn't know each other mm. and he didn't even know about me his need to meet me was so intense that we we came together And so the story is that he was in, um, he was uh, a fugitive living in Switzerland. And through a friend of mine, I found him in Switzerland. And very soon after we met, a few hours after we met, he said to me, you've come to free me. Mm -hmm. And of course, I have to say that that, you know little 26 year old that I was I mean that had an enormous impact on me I'm sure that dr. Timothy Leary would say to me you came to free me and it was a challenge that I was absolutely willing to take up I had no idea what it what it entailed (laughs) but I knew that um that was really in alignment with my destiny and that's been a lifelong destiny thread for me, which at times led me into a terrible despair. But I can really, really see that uh, our destinies are linked. And uh, I was that meeting was very important for me to be who I am today.
1: Boy, I'll say, I'll say, absolutely amazing. And uh, and Tim. Died in was it ninety nine?
3: No, he died in ninety six.
1: Ninety six.
3: Ninety six. Yes. Right. So it'll be ten years this year.
1: Ten years. Wow.
3: Ten years that he died.
1: So and, what, um, what, were, what were the circumstances of, of Timothy's death?
3: Well, he he uh, was diagnosed with prostate cancer, huh. and um, he was diagnosed late. Very late in the game, mm-hmm. and it spread very quickly. Yeah. And so that was that was what the medical condition was called. Hmm. Um, but I think that we we die when we're ready, whether we know it or, or we don't
0: know it. Hmm.
3: That's a strange thing that I've observed, um, yeah. and we can talk about that. I've been observing that very carefully. I think we die when it's time for us to die. Uh, some of us know it, so it's easier, and some of us absolutely have no idea that this is indeed our time to die. Hmm. But anyway, hmm. and he had a, p- a pretty public death. He uh, he he welcomed death in a very, you know, very enlightened and and courageous way and uh, received a lot of people during his illness and um, had this idea that he wanted to die on the internet
1: <laughs> before most people even knew what the internet was
3: yeah exactly <laughs> you know? well he was a great proponent of the internet so and yeah. I think he's absolutely right <laughs> he
0: uh
3: he really saw the internet like a like a huge interconnecting brain, mm-hmm. and I think he's very right about that.
1: Boy, I do too, and he, and, and he certainly had very interesting things to say about the brain. I mean, Leary's model of the of the circuits uh, of the brain is something that is still uh, talked about today. You know, he had a tremendous impact, Joanne.
3: Tremendous. Neurologic is one of the most important books ever written.
1: My God. That's why it's just a stunner, just an absolute stunner.
3: So um, I um, I met him, and um, at that time he knew I didn't know that he was going to have to leave his place of asylum, Switzerland, mm-hmm. and uh, he wasn't. He didn't know that he was going to be captured by. Uh, United States agents and brought back to the United States. But he knew he was close to the end of his rope. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The rope stretching all the way to Europe from <laughs> a California prison. Right. And, um, you know, he knew something that prisoners know, which is really important. When you're in prison, you need to have An ally on the outside Mm. you just need to have and most most importantly a very loving woman who'll go to who go to any length to get you out of prison Mm. and so when he and I met we took LSD together for two months daily Mm. Which is extraordinary in the sense that I would say that it would be the equivalent of living 20 years together um, in another level of time. Right.
1: Every day for two months you guys did LSD together.
3: Ingested LSD together.
1: Astonishing.
3: And talked about everything and uh, became deeply intimate. I'm sure. And then we went to Afghanistan together. Um, We were going to Afghanistan because Tim was hoping that he would... Oh, my God, I have to interrupt here. I have to. Why? I have to. The full moon is over the mountain.
1: I told you it was coming.
3: (laughs) It's full over the mountain. The dawn is creeping up the hills. Or, as I like to say, the sky is unzipping itself. (laughs) Oh my goodness, it's absolutely beautiful.
0: Wow, I just want
3: to invite your listeners to be where they are and to be here with me at the same time. It's possible. (laughs) Hey, by location, here we are. It's dawn. And I'm looking out on the red tiles, on the red, red shingles, on the roofs here with the little, little whitewashed houses and the Mediterranean just starting to show in the, on the horizon. Oh my and God. And the moon still incredibly bright. It's beautiful.
1: Wow, what a picture you just painted, Joanna. I love
3: it. And I want to be together here and there. This is the miracle of the Of the radio is that in our imaginations we could be where you are and you can be where I am at the same time.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, Timothy
3: Leary and I went to Afghanistan.
1: Right, gosh, and now, now that's, that's a psychedelic trip in and of itself.
3: That's incredible. (laughs) It's incredible. And, uh, we thought we would find some help there, and most of all, um, we knew that, um, That Afghanistan had no extradition treaty with the United States so that he would be safe there. I see. But then we got to the airport in Kabul and a, somebody from the American Embassy in Kabul, this is, remember, this is 28 years ago. Right. Snatches both our passports out of the hands of out of Timothy's hands and I've never been so afraid in my whole life and Timothy says they're taking me back to the United States Oh man! and Afghanistan refuses to let us in because they say we have no passports but well, we say five minutes ago we had the passport before someone snatched them out of Timothy's hands and left his card, which said third secretary of the American embassy in Kabul. Mm. But the Afghanis, who are part of the conspiracy, say, you can't enter the country because you have no passport. Right. So we're taken to this, uh, to this horrible hut of a place, and they tell us they're not going to separate us. Uh, he's going to the men's prison and I'm going to the women's prison. So imagine this man, Timothy Leary, is 53 years old. He's already done about in prison in the United States. Actually, it's really not his environment because he comes from an upper-middle-class family. Not that up, upper-middle-class people don't go to prison, but I mean, I'm just talking about conditioning.
1: Yeah, what he was ready for, etc., yeah, the the youngest uh, professor ever at Harvard, if I if if I remember correctly.
3: Well I didn't know that detail. I think so. But thanks. Yeah. I didn't know that detail.
1: Yeah. Anyway.
3: Anyway, really, here we are. And uh, I made such a terrible scandal, fainted and told the people, the Afghanis, that I would die if we were separated. Literally die. <laughs> and and they believed me. I mean, it was very dramatic and I was very dramatic, you know. Mm-hmm. And so they took us to this other place, uh, isolated place and put us in a room without a window and with seven or eight, um, soldiers guarding the door. And it was seedy. It was awful. Oh my gosh. And the soldiers were, all had machine guns and um Timothy kept saying to me they're taking me back to the United States and, and I, I have a I had absolutely no notion of what that could mean I had never been to California I'd spent a little time in Washington DC right. I had I I had no idea of who Timothy Leary was in,
0: in the US in America, right you know right right right
3: and I really had no idea what the counterculture was about. I mean, of course, I'd been to this demonstration, but that was about it. Right,
0: right.
3: And of course, I thought the war in Vietnam was wrong, but it was not my it was not my fight, you know. Right. And um, and so um, four days later, after letting us uh, only drink tea, we were totally debilitated. While well, letting us giving us only tea and being guarded at every moment by um, by soldiers, um, they took us to uh, the airport and um, they uh, marched us up a um, you know a ramp to an airplane, and at the top of the airplane, at the top of the ramp was this um this tanned um tanned guy who said to timothy uh burke's the name dopes the game and i've come to bring you back to the united states and of course we hadn't been busted for anything we had no dope on us you know it was not and and um and he hands Timothy his passport and it's written cancelled all over the passport. <laughs> and it gives him, yeah, Cancel. he gives him an ID saying that it's valid for one year return to the United States. And, um I mean, one year, a, a single return to the United States. Right, one right, single right. return to the United States.
0: Okay.
3: And strangely enough, They they take me along, and this is an important point. You might want to. I don't know if you break at the top of the hour. Yeah,
1: we're going to take a break here in a minute, but I wanted to sort of get to, uh, really, to about where we're at. I think.
3: Great, and I because there's something really important I want to say here, Um, but I'll wait for the hour to start again.
1: Okay. So, uh, and and the point being that as uh, as as Tim is being shuttled back to the U.S. by some sort of mercenary type or something, it seems like at least, they bring you with.
3: Right. That's exactly the place. Okay. All right. Well, that's a
1: great place to take a break here. And um, my guest is Joanna Harcourt-Smith, and she is a fascinating woman with a remarkable story, if you haven't figured that out yet. And we're going to talk more with her in just a few minutes when we come back. And, Joanna, stick around. Thanks again for being with us. I know it's early morning, but you've got a beautiful uh, sunrise coming your way and obviously oh, a yeah. really remarkable uh, setting that you're in the middle of right now, too. So we will do that. We'll take a break, and we will come back with Joanna. In the meantime, we will listen to another song from our, uh, our friends, the musical providers for this evening. The name of the band is called Lo to G, and this song is called Release Me. And you can find information about the band on the web at mikehagan.com, just like you can find information about Joanna and the work that she's doing at metahistory.org, m-e-t-a-h-i-s-t-o-r-y.org. And uh, one more time, this is uh, this is Lo to G with Release Me. This is Mike Hagan. You're listening to Radio Orbit. We'll be back in just a moment with Joanna Harcourt Smith. Up there from low to G. And that song is called Release Me. This is Mike you listen to Radio Orbit and uh you're lucky because tonight we've got a wonderful guest live from her home in the hills of southern Spain, currently witnessing a beautiful morning there apparently, and her name is Joanna Harcourt Smith and let's get right back to her there in uh in Europe, hi Joanna. Hi there. All right, so, yes, thanks so much for, um, for sticking around, and uh, we were sort of right at the precipice of an amazing story, and uh, your former husband, uh, the amazing Timothy Leary, Leary, had just been uh, captured in Afghanistan and was being brought back to the United States for, uh, well, lots of different reasons, it turns out, but anyway, you were with him, and what, what, what happened next?
3: Well, the reasons are very important, and we'll we'll go back to the reasons in a a couple of minutes. Um, They brought me... They took me with him because they really understood that if they didn't take me along, he was going to really put up a show of force. And um, the government... Of the United States which was at the time Richard Nixon really wanted to get him back on that day which was I can't remember if it was the 18th or 19th of January um, of 1973 Mm -hmm. Uh, it was the day of Nixon's second inauguration and um, those who don't remember need to know. Those who don't remember because they were to, they were not born or they were they were very young need to know. But Richard Nixon ran on a ticket that uh was called Law and Order. I mean those were his two those were his two rallying cries, Law and Order. And uh, you know, just like Uh, Governments have slogans, like now the slogan of the government is War on Terrorism, War on Terror. And so for the day of his inauguration, or the day before, or the day after, he wanted to have, uh, the strategy was to have a worldwide front page that claimed victory in the realms of law and order. Hmm. So to bring back Timothy Leary to the United States, who had defied the government of the United States by escaping from a prison in the States was a great way to, for the Nixon administration to ad- advertise victory and, and in the realms of law and order. Right, right, right. In fact, the same day uh, the government kidnapped Timothy Leary because there was no extradition treaty, So that is why I call it a kidnapping. And it was truly a kidnapping. Today we're used to those kidnappings by the CIA. and We're used to them. We're discovering that they do that. But that was really one of the first kidnappings, the first political kidnappings. And the reason um, the government kidnapped him were the reasons I just said. Hmm. Kidnapped him back. And in fact on the same day they kidnapped a major mafia uh, person called Mayor Lansky. They kidnapped him back from Cuba, where he had been living rather peacefully. And so that day, the administration had two major law and order mm. figures that they could show off. Huh. See? Amazing. And mm. the interesting thing is, that I I found out later that it was on those days that Liddy, Gordon Liddy and the other so-called plumbers, meaning the people who mm-hmm. broke into the um, Democratic uh, um, offices in Washington, D.C., the Watergate scandal, mm-hmm. It was on during those days that these people called the plumbers, who had uh, done undercover work for Nixon, were being sentenced. So bringing back Timothy Leary and bringing back Mayor Lansky and mm. parading them through the airport was a way of hiding yeah. the Watergate story.
1: Right, taking the taking the eye off of it, so to speak.
3: Exactly. And
1: and that's a and and you know you talk about. We're familiar with it now, well I mean it's the same old story It's amazing how the tactics that that have been used for so long are 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 still employed today i mean it's really no no different the misdirection is one of the one of the one of the most important tools in the you know in the toolkit of these people so
3: it's and you know that, and that's why my partnership with you is so precious. You often say it's about language hmm. and language is stories and it's about the stories that are being said to us and how we are manipulated by the stories or not manipulated mm-hmm. by the stories that are fed to us mm-hmm. and the story that was said to the american people about timothy leary is that he killed more people than the vietnam war huh. by advocating the use of lsd yeah and uh, that was their story now my story is very different my story is that timothy leary knew that lsd was a very powerful mind-altering substance that it would hit the streets that he had worked with the stuff he had taken lsd pure lsd from sandoz um into the prisons and he had worked with. Uh, convicts which is amazing he mm-hmm. was not a prisoner at that time he was a professor at harvard right and do. he took uh lsd into the um, as an agreed program into the um, massachusetts prison system and worked with convicts and had a very successful rate of convicts not returning to prison because um they were able to see through the through the experience with NSD that um, they had choices. That they had choices. Hmm. That reality is multifaceted, and um, for a brief moment, they were able to see that they there were other choices to the reality they were living. Joanna. Yes.
1: Let me ask you, and and. This is something that you're talking about that has been widely reported. It's no, it's no mystery. Uh, The historical literature shows now that there were Timothy certainly was the was the pioneer, uh, or one of the pioneers. But many many physicians, doctors, psychologists, psychiatrists were having great uh, success using LSD uh, as a treatment for certain mental. Uh, disorders and disabilities, and they were having great success, just like you mentioned the, the success that Timothy was having in prisons uh, with with some of the inmates. What was it exactly, in your opinion, and for the audience, why was Timothy so demonized eventually? In other words, Nixon called him the most dangerous man in America. What was so dangerous about Timothy Lyric?
3: There were several things that were very dangerous about Timothy Leary and that are still very dangerous about Timothy Leary. Um, I think the major thing that was dangerous about Timothy Leary was that America was founded on very Puritan values. Um, Ecstasy uh, was not a value in the United States. And... um, the minute people can experience ec- ecstasy, and I'm not talking about the, the chemical of MDMA, right. the minute people can experience ecstasy, I would replace the word ecstasy with the word freedom. I would replace the word freedom with the word expanded realities. I would replace the word expand- the mm. words expanded reality by um, cosmic consciousness uh, the minute people experience that which can be experienced through LSD then they are no longer puppets of the story they no longer think that the story they've been told is the only story there is <laughs> so they are no longer such easy willing puppets I mean, I could speak about this because it happened to me. Right. I thought that the only story there was was the story that the culture that I lived in was telling me, and I felt very confined uh, within that story. I felt a lot of despair. I felt an enormous sense of futility. Hmm. Um, Joseph Chilton Pierce speaks about this a lot. Yeah um I felt very confined in the um within the consensus reality and then because it was time because it was my time because um, I want to say our generation and your generation a little bit after us is incredibly privileged is incredibly uh blessed with the fact that that. Through these substances, we have been shown once again uh, our, our relationship with the sacred. Mm-hmm. So, Timothy Leary was demonized because he made it clear that he was experiencing ecstasy and that he had a universal experience. And he encouraged people to have that experience. And when you have that experience, you don't need government. You, the last thing you need is hierarchy, government, um, the patriarchy. You know that we are an interwoven dance and if each one of us takes responsibility for exactly who we are and where we are, the world will function in the most, in the most organic, um appointed harmonic way. So and this he is, this urged is, people to let themselves out of the dominator culture.
1: And that's of course his political dynamite.
3: Dynamite. Dynamite. And I will say today that I I feel um amongst many that I am amongst many other things. Um he's feminine counterparts and I say let yourself out of the prison and the tyranny of inherited beliefs mm. whichever way you do it there are many 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 ways to do it
1: right and I think that the point to be made is that the experience should be available for people to make of what they will. In other words, you may condemn it, you may embrace it, whatever. But it should be there uh, to be experienced. To yeah, evaluated evaluate it at that from
3: point. your own point of view.
1: Exactly, exactly. And that's the, and that of course is what one of the things that Timothy was advocating, uh, and one of the reasons certainly why he was demonized, as you say, because he wanted to make sure that that experience was available.
3: And I just want to add something in here. It has been written in several books. Several people have written this, uh, such as Martin A.D. in um, Acid Acid Dreams, Robert Forte. I can't remember exactly what his book is. It has been said that I was an LSD agent. I mean, an LSD agent, I certainly am. <laughs> 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 um, I was a CIA agent uh-huh. sent into Timothy's life in Switzerland to lead him to Afghanistan and to get him busted.
1: Ah, uh, yeah, that you were—you were there to set the whole thing up.
3: I was there to set the whole thing up, and um, I had the great privilege. I mean, this is. Absolutely untrue, and actually, those in the counterculture who played into that story actually played into the government's game. Mm. Um, and those who played into that story, such as Martinelli, and did not get back to me and ask me what the truth was, right. were playing. In my opinion into the government's game
1: Mm, i think so too when you look at it in hindsight certainly
3: you see we're demonizing me in the way that so timothy leary is demonized and then timothy leary's uh, love is demonized as well so now you've got a pair of demonized people (laughs) using different directions to do it right so Recently, when I was at the LSD symposium in Basel at the hundredth anniversary of Albert Hofmann, um, I was able to. I had this extraordinary moment. Uh, the man who wrote Acid Dreams was giving a talk, and there were about 500 people in the room. And I took the. I stood up and took the microphone, and I said. Um, I asked the author, Martin Lee, I said, did you have at the time or do you have you had since any confirmation about what you wrote about, Tim- about Joanna Harcourt-Smith being a CIA agent? Right. And he said, and he said, and you could hear a pin drop in the room, he said, oh, no, but it was just a rumor that was going around. It's a rumor that's going around at which point I looked him right in the face and I said well I am Joanna Harcourt-Smith and what you have written about me is absolutely untrue and I deplore the fact that you never took the uh, trouble to ask me who I am what I was doing and why I was doing it
0: oh my gosh
3: and there was such a shiver that went across the um, (laughs) Across the room I'm sure and Martin tried to interrupt me and it was like the most authentic words were coming out of my mouth because I had waited 20 years to say this <sighs> in front of my peers not only to him but right. in front of my peers I see and um, I said to me please do not interrupt me give me the dignity of Telling my own side of the story. And I said I was a woman in love caught in an extremely one of the most complicated political plots in history. And um, I did it out of innocence. I did it out of being, uh, I mean, following Timothy to the United States and staying with him. Mm. And I did it absolutely out of love. Mm. And a sense of purpose and destiny, and the people just broke into the greatest applause you've ever heard. <laughs>
1: oh my gosh! I want to scream right now.
3: It was so beautiful. It was so beautiful, and it was really a uh, a dawning, a dawning experience for me. Mm-hmm. From a daunting experience, mm. it became in that moment. A dawning experience, like this morning that has dawned right
1: here in Spain. Wow, remarkable story, Joanna. Remarkable. From from start to finish, absolutely remarkable. Extraordinary story. Tell us a little bit more about uh, uh, about the symposium around Albert Hoffman's birthday, because, of course, LSD was eventually came to be known as his what he called his problem child.
3: Problem child.
1: And so now you're so now you're right in the thick of the whole thing, and I'm sure that uh, after that whole uh, after that whole scene, you must have been quite the uh, the star or something. What happened after that?
3: Well, I have to say that um, I was um, very. There were two thousand people at this conference. There were two hundred newspaper reporters or magazine reporters or TV reporters from from 40 countries all over the world.
1: And, and Joanna, just for the listeners, uh, the nature of the conference.
3: Absolutely. Well, the nature of the conference was to celebrate uh, Albert Hoffman's uh, 100th birthday. And I want to say that he is strong and beautiful and uh, displays a, um, a wise innocence that is absolutely extraordinary Hmm. and for instance he said something that touched me so much because I believe in like in the beginning of our conversation I believe in different flavors and atmospheres just like uh, in every country in Europe you have you have cheeses (laughs) and how could there be so many flavors of cheese (laughs) But I don't believe in borders mm. and uh, and customs and borders and patriotism. And and Albert Hoffman said something that touched me so much. He said that the uh, border between Swiss- Switzerland and France goes through his property. <clears throat> and he smiled and he said, the border between Switzerland and France is a hazelnut. Amazing. That he picks up from the ground, right there. Hmm. I find that very, very beautiful.
1: Me too. Profound.
3: Profoundly beautiful. Is an acorn actually what he said? Is the border between France and Switzerland is an acorn? It's an acorn. So this man, you know, as you know, um, stumbled onto LSD. But, but what I also heard at that conference is that he said. That LSD spoke to him. LSD spoke to him and asked him to discover it. And I think that's very, very, um, very po- poignant and very correct because, uh, he discovered LSD at the very beginning of the, of the Second World War mm. and went back to work with LSD and really find, find out what it's, um, What its effects were he went back in 1943 and i think that at the time that we discovered that we could blow ourselves up we also discovered uh unlimited frequencies and worlds beyond the one we we live in everyday life
1: amazing joanna and you know there's another connection there as well because i know that you have and I might be wrong, but I think Stan Ullman, uh, or Stan Ulam was your uncle.
3: That's correct. My my uncle, my mother's first cousin, invented the H bomb.
1: Yeah, he did and all so the math- he did all the mathematics for Teller.
3: He did. He did. He did all the mathematics of the H bomb. And so, I've come into my my true my true vocation, my true way, which is to be. A European woman shaman and I consider that I have the H-Balm on one shoulder and uh, and mind-altering possibilities on my other shoulder.
1: Well you know uh, the the image that immediately comes to mind is the mushroom and the ambiguity of the mushroom is exactly what you Describe on the one hand it's the it's the the physical manifestation of the destruction of everything the mushroom cloud, and on the other shoulder, you know, Stropharia cubensis.
0: Bravo! <laughs> well, well,
3: absolutely, absolutely, and the fact that um, people will say that the mushroom will poison you hmm. as well, you know, whilst uh, the mushroom. Some mushrooms will absolutely play with you, play you into freedom, Hmm. play you into freedom. I thank the mushroom, and I love the mushroom, Hmm. my little extraterrestrial friend.
1: (laughs) No question about it, Joanna. And it's really interesting that you made that comment about Albert, uh, the fact that LSD, or that that, that it's sort of... Begged for its own discovery, and this yeah. is this is very reminiscent of the shamanic art. Jeremy Narby, in particular, I think of his work and about how he makes it very clear that the plants are the ones that are doing the informing. The plants uh, in those situations uh, provide the information. Uh, and it's a, it's it's a very analogous story to to Dr. Hoffman's story and and of course yours as well.
3: Um, Jeremy Narby, incidentally, was at the conference. Mm. So was Jonathan Ott.
1: Oh, I'm sure it was a who's who.
3: It was a fantastic who's who of the of the shamanic interpretation. It was a moment of shamanic interpretation.
1: Well, there was a tremendous amount of power gathered there. There's no question about that. I know Alex Gray was there as well. Did you have a chance to meet Alex?
3: Oh, I, I have to <laughs> say, I was, um, well, I saw him speak, and then at, on, the, on the closing ceremony, I was sitting on stage um, between Alexander Shogin and huh. Alex Gray.
1: Wow, that's nice company.
3: Yeah, and I have to say something very, very simple about Alex Gray is that he is one of the major sweeties I've met in my life. <laughs> that he is a, an absolute sweetheart. And I am a believer, I really think that when you touch the world, the, what you encounter is love Hmm. and what you what you put out is love and Alex Gray does that in his painting and he is that as a human being
1: Wow all right well that's a wonderful uh, a wonderful place Joanna to take a break here let's do that let's play a little bit of music here and then um, we'll come back and change gears a little bit okay I know you've been doing some uh, some poetry writing as of late, yes. and I know that there are things going on at Meta History that we should talk about, and we should also talk about uh, Future Primitive, our our uh, sort of developing problem child.
3: <laughs> our sight and sound.
1: <laughs> so l- let's do that. I'm going to play a piece of music here and do a promotion that I need to do. Then we'll come back and I'll play something real soft, and maybe we can talk a little bit first, and then you can read a poem to us or something like that. Wonderful. All right, wonderful. Thanks very much. All right, everybody, this is uh, Mike Hagen, and you're listening to Radio Orbit. Here's a little bit more music from our friends Lotiji, And hopefully I'm pronouncing that right. I've been calling it Lotiji the whole night. That's just the way it sounds uh uh to me. Maybe it's Lotiji, or maybe it's Lotegi. I don't know, but it's great music. And this song is called Brasilia, or Brasilia. And this is Mike, you're listening to Radio Orbit. Stick around. We'll be right back with Joanna Harcourt-Smith and uh, more wonderful conversation with her. Great stuff there from G. That was called Brasilia. And this is Mike Hagen. You're listening to Radio Orbit. My guest is Joanna Harcourt-Smith. We've been fortunate enough to have an hour and a half of her time on an early morning on Tuesday in uh, southern Spain. But we're going to keep her for another 25 minutes or so. And uh, we've had a wonderful conversation, Joanna. Thanks so much for sharing uh what you just shared with us it's an amazing story and the way uh, it sort of closed up there at the most recent uh, celebration there and symposium with Albert Hoffman uh, is just a a beautifully poetic ending or maybe a a beginning as
3: well listen Mike I just want to say that um, in the commercial world this day is called Valentine's Day it is but I also want to say that um, Every day is heart day. Hmm. Every day is heart day. Every day is celebration of love day.
1: Here, here, And it's not just a Hallmark deal.
3: Right, exactly.
1: You know, I mean, it's turned into a big uh, money-making deal, but...
3: Every day is heart day, yeah.
1: All right, Joanna, well, look, let's... Um, we've got about 20 minutes or so. Let's talk a little bit about meta history and... Um, uh, the project there with John Lash, and maybe you could tell us just a little bit about meta history about how it how it sort of came to be. We can maybe talk a little bit about John, but there's a particular part of the website that's called Precious mind and this is uh sort of joanna's corner, and you have some beautiful stuff there and some poetry, some of which is relatively new, which I read today. And I'd like it if you'd read something for us too. So, um, why don't you give us a, a, a brief uh, rundown on meta history, and then maybe give us a sample of some of your uh, some of your beautiful writing?
3: Well, uh, John Lash has been uh, my creative partner for almost 19 years, and uh, we have had a uh, an ongoing creative conversation. For that long, and um, he is a mythologist, a mythologist, uh, a mystic, a poet, and uh, a philosopher um, like myself. Um, We feel very fortunate because we feel that we came here to serve and we found a way to serve together which is to create uh, a website that's called metahistory.org um on which we um uh, publish our writings and we call uh metahistory the metahistory site a teaching site mm. and so on the site um there are a lot of um writings that Are there to help you question your beliefs and um, so you can go to any part of the site and um, read things that might help you um, just like uh, psychedelic substances do Uh, you can read words on metahistory.org that will help you formulate questions for yourself and um so we're very happy to be the creators of of that site. And the site fortunately, fantastically fortunately, we are um sponsored by the Marion Institutes right. of Marion, Massachusetts. And we've been uh are well in our fourth year of being able to do this huge website because the Marion Institute um, has been funding us, and now the Marion Institute uh, has chosen to fund a project between you, Mike Hagan, and myself, which is the project of a um, an audio website that uh, is called future primitive. We call it future primitive because we we call this this voice touching like we are doing tonight mm-hmm. this we call this voice touching uh, a return to the oral tradition mm. and so you and I are going to interview people from both sides of the of the ocean and hopefully touch voices with many, many people and bring to people the atmosphere that is created by hearing mm-hmm. somebody 's voice
1: yeah, that is the idea i can't, uh i can 't wait to um to move forward with our project it's going to be it's going to be an amazing adventure I know that and I love the idea that we're going to be able to do it sort of cross-culturally and uh, transnationally if you know what I mean
3: absolutely it's going to be great and
1: I'm so excited about it and it's funny I feel like I'm just talking to you on the phone and we're not on the air but I'm very excited about it and I hope uh, that uh, the listeners of this program will will, will check that out as well because it'll be something that uh, I think that they'll appreciate too so
3: Yes, tune in to our website. It will soon be up. It, it's called futureprimitive.org.
1: Yeah, future primitive, and we'll um, we'll we'll certainly make more information available as as the development uh, continues, and it won't be long. I'm within within the it Won't m- be long. Won't be long. We'll have we'll have this thing up and running real quick. So, anyway, yeah, lots of things going on. And John, uh, you know, if I can just add about John Lash, I had the yes, I, I had the good fortune of uh, of meeting John. And and you as well, in Marion, in October of last year, and I spent uh, three or four days there with you guys, and we had a lot of time to spend together. And uh, a remarkable man, John, is one of the most brilliant uh, guys I've ever come across, and uh, I really had a wonderful time talking to him. And I and I I I can't wait for his book to come out. He has a a book that's very close uh, to being published, I think, and. Uh, for people who are listening and are hearing Joanna talk about the website at MetaHistory, there there is a tremendous amount of information there. And uh, many of the things that you find there will do exactly what Joanna says. They'll give you the opportunity to develop a different perspective and to maybe look at things a little bit different and ask questions that you maybe uh, hadn't asked before. And uh, regardless, it's a Uh, an interesting and and educational experience for anybody who might go there because it's a very intelligent site, and there's a tremendous amount of information there. Thank you, Mike. Thank you. Yeah. Very well said. Okay, well, look, one of the places that I like to go when I go there is your little playground, Precious precious Mind. I think that's what I sort of think of it when I think of you. It's a place where you go and you let your imagination go and whatever that means to you. So maybe you could give us a little, uh, a little. Maybe tell us a little bit about the idea, and then a little sample.
3: I would love to. Um, I was listening to um, Alice Walker last night um, on Amy Goodman. I heard it too. So, I love Amy Goodman. I think she's doing the most fabulous work. Um, and um, and I, I was so. Um, I was so touched when I heard Alice Walker say, she said, I'm in love with the imagination. Mm. And um, if we could, if we had only one word to say about everything we said tonight, it would be imagination, I think.
0: No question about it.
3: Uh, Imagination, and again Joseph Chilton Pierce speaks about it so beautifully in Magical Child and the Biology of Transcendence um the imagination was captured exiled imprisoned and made a shameful thing by the patriarchal abrahamic uh, civilization and uh, it was very interesting to hear that alice walker called herself a pagan Mm. and the word pagan really fits with freeing the imagination and so um, I would say that um, my part of the site is um, about poetry it's about I have a piece that describes my encounter with my imagination Um, I have some photographs of this part of Spain where that I speak to you from, mm. by the way, sunlight is now crawling across the roofs of the houses below me. And the hill is flooding with sunlight. And there are almond trees, many pink and white almond trees, flowering on the hill, here, wow. blossoming on the hill. And um, so I'd love to read some poetry from... My part of the site, precious mind.
1: Please do tell us a little bit, Joanna, about what you're going to read.
3: I'm going to read a um, a poem that's called "If Life Itself Is Art," and uh, I like to say that I cook my poems. (sighs) So my poems are like a soup that stays on the on the stove for a long time. Hmm. Uh, They get better and spices get added and it gets they get stirred and the scum gets taken off the top and so i wouldn't say that any of my poems aren't definitive i would say that uh this is one of my poems that's simmering and cooking
1: wonderful and the title again
3: the title is if life itself is art
1: If life itself is art, all right, Joanna Harcourt-Smith.
3: If life itself is art, sexuality is the paintbrush. Hibiscus above the ear of a Tahitian girl. Waves and particles of green apples in a bowl. The twisted scream of dark depression golden sunflowers in a round clay pot. A peacock mimics the passion of desire. Glistening rivers run on opalescent thighs. Amber hands trace ley lines on arched backs. Emotions pierce through fog in the Bay of Denial. A bridge of DNA strands sways in the wind. There are so many ways to enter the earth. How she loves to see life grow upon her. Cave paintings on rock skin, red horses leaping on wet stone, stalactites and stalagmites Longing for each other, one drop at a time. In the cave, darkness stirs, wakes, and creates below the rippling waves of desert sand. After lightning sparks, strikes, and splits, hollow tree trunks grow a hundred limbs, Rustling leaves caress the warm breeze. In the distance, a donkey sobs again. This is the true sound of salvation.
1: Wow, Joanna, it's beautiful. Thank you so much.
3: I love it. I love it, and I love it because it expresses uh, my love of the intimacy of sexuality intertwined with my love of the earth and how the earth teaches me sexuality and how sexuality brings me back to the earth.
1: Well, it was beautiful, and thank you for sharing it with us. And that was a lovely little piece of music uh, called Magnificat uh, from uh, the band that we've been featuring tonight called Lotaji. And so I hope everybody liked that. It was it, It's not, not that often that we get... Uh, to hear original poetry read by the author on the air. So I hope you appreciate it. I love it, Joanna. Thank you very much again.
3: Thank you. It's a joy yeah. to
1: share it. Ah, yes. And the imagination is where that came from, obviously. And that's where all of these things come from. And it's absolutely beautiful when we when, when we employ it uh, in, in a creative manner like that. I just love it. Yeah.
0: All right. It's awesome. So
1: yeah, absolutely. You know, and the, the the theme that sort of uh, keeps rising tonight, and I wanted to bring it up since we're sort of closing on the end of the show, you brought it up right towards the beginning when we began to talk, the idea of the plant uh, that is near death but somehow has something inside it that allows it to carry on and eventually come back uh, really strong. And it's sort of that trial by fire analogy and we've been talking about it all night and you've been through one recently I've been through one recently with uh, the death of a friend and uh, there's all kinds of things that are happening like that around us all the time and it's there to to show us I guess like we've been talking about all night that the time is now
3: the um, intimacy I was thinking while you said that intimacy is when Paradox doesn't surprise us. Mm-hmm. Intimacy is when we can accept and surrender totally to paradox, thinking of life and death.
1: And that's what it comes down to, you know. The, yeah. the so-called the coincidence of opposites, somehow both exist at the same time, yet without contradiction. The paradox, just as you as
3: you put it, that's that's when intimacy occurs. That's when we are closest to the mystery.
1: Hmm. Well, I'll tell you what: the mystery is everywhere, and it's just a matter of uh, recognizing that 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 mystery exists. It's such a big part of it for me. I mean, so many people in my as I walk through life, people that I meet and and get to know, or whatever. Many of those people, I think, believe that there is no mystery. That everything has been sufficiently described and understood. And, gosh, to me that just sounds like the silliest talk I ever heard. (laughs) We know so little.
3: I can't imagine that. (laughs) (laughs) I can only imagine mystery.
1: Hmm. Well, I love a good mystery and uh there's a whole lot of that going on these days and we're going to investigate some of them together very soon and we've talked about uh some of them tonight, Joanna, and I can't thank you enough. We're already to- we're already at the end of the program and um we've got a few minutes to wrap things up. So how would you like to finish things off? Do you have anything you'd like to uh to say to the folks? I'd
3: like to finish this off by saying that um I love you, Mike, and I thank you for doing the work
1: you're doing. I love you too, Joanna.
3: And that's the best.
1: Yeah, and I and I thank the stars for uh the opportunity to uh to come across you. You know, it's amazing. I, I mean the story of serendipity continues, you know. Our 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 meeting is serendipitous as well. I love the story of serendipity, you know. Joseph Campbell tells the great story of uh, where the word actually comes from, it's it's a uh, it's comes from the Sanskrit word Serendipia, which meant the Isle of Silk, and the story, uh, the word comes from this family that was on their way, making their way to Ceylon. Ceylon was the the so-called Isle of Silk, and along the way, all of these serendipitous adventures come up, <laughs> and that's sort of the etymology of the word it goes all the way back to Mesopotamia it's a Sanskrit word
3: <laughs> yes
1: and it happens to us all the time if we recognize it you know
3: each one of us and what uh, what we create in our life are threads of silk mm. just threads and threads of silk i agree
1: all right, well, look, uh, let's wrap it up here. Let's mention one more time that uh, Joanna's wonderful work can be found on the web at www.metahistory.org, and soon it will also be available at futureprimitive.org, and maybe a number of other websites. We're going to get a couple of different domains, I think, going. And uh,
3: We are initiating the dialogues.
1: Yes, the dialogues. That's another great little uh, play on words that... Uh, that we've put together. So lots of great stuff, jo- Joanna, coming up um, from from you and John and from you and I together, hopefully, and I look forward to it with uh, with great anticipation.
3: Great enthusiasm, yes.
1: Yeah. All right, well, great. Uh, take care of yourself. Enjoy the rest of your uh, your Tuesday, and, um, and uh, we'll do the same here across the pond, as they say. Wonderful. Thanks again, Joanna. We'll talk to you very soon.
3: Thanks for listening.
1: All right, goodbye. All right, everybody, there you have it, Joanna Harcourt-Smith. And one more time, you can find out information about Joanna, her work, research, writing, imagination, at www.metahistory.org. And her partner, John Lash, is brilliant as well, and his, uh, his work is worth taking a look at. Okay? All right, this is Mike, and you've been listening to Radio Orbit. It is 1.56, and we've got just a few minutes to finish up the program here. Come on back next week, same time, same place. We're going to take uh, a night off and uh, do things solo, maybe open up the phone lines, talk about a lot of interesting things that are in the news that I haven't been able to cover over the last few weeks because we've been so busy, and we'll sort of switch gears. All right? The week after that, Neil Haig wonderful artist and uh, publisher, and the guy who does the artwork for David Icke, by the way, for you conspiracy theorists out there. I'm sure he'll have some interesting things to say about David. So, anyway, okay, this is Mike Hagan, and you've been listening to Radio Orbit. Come on back next week, and always check us out on the web at www.mikehagan.com. A big thank you to Joanna Harcourt-Smith for spending her Tuesday morning with us live from Spain, and also to... Uh, the members of Lodigi, who've uh, provided a wonderful uh, bit of music to uh, help us through the conversation tonight. We're going to finish things off with one more from them. This is called Only Life. And what else can we say? This is Mike. You've been listening to Radio Orbit. We'll talk to you again.